It's a college ball Tuesday. Tennessee won again. The rest of the SEC just kind of stacked up behind them. Uh, big shakeup in the Pac-12 race. And let's talk about some of these pitchers that are draft eligible that have made a name for themselves this year. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated, and thank you for making this your first listen every single day. And on today's episode, what a week in college baseball. I mean, if you had a chance to sit and watch some college games over the weekend, I know MLB's here, where we're doing a lot of that, but some great stuff going on. Um, before I get to the great stuff, though, I do have to mention Tennessee won again. So Tennessee swept Missouri. Uh, so Tennessee's now 31-1. and Tennessee has a 23-game winning streak. I don't really know what else we can say about the Tennessee squad. 12-0 uh, and starting conference play. Never happened in the, in the history of the conference. The record was 11-0. Uh, it was like three teams. And it's something where there's offense, there's, there's defense, there's pitching. They've got everything. I don't really, really know how to talk about it. So let's just move on. They're great. We know that. They're playing Alabama this weekend. I feel bad for Alabama. Never thought as an Auburn fan I'd say that, but there you go. Um, the big, some of the big stories here: Miami and Virginia met. We talked, we previewed this last week on two, on College Baseball Tuesday, and we talked about how this was going to be um, an explosive matchup. Virginia led the country in scoring, eleven runs per game, fourth in the country in ERA, two eight four. They were number two in the country. Miami goes into Mark Lightfield and just whoops him. Okay. Uh, Virginia goes from scoring 11 runs a game to scoring 11 runs all series. Um, so Tennessee's, I'm sorry, Miami's now number two. And it's a situation where, I mean, Virginia is, I don't necessarily know what Virginia does here. So Jake Gelliff, uh, the outfielder, was leading the country in home runs during the weekend, goes 0 for 10. Um, they got five innings on Friday from their Friday night guy. It's the most they got from their starters all weekend. And that ace, I mean, that's the ace of their staff. He's given up 12 runs, 11 of them earned, in nine innings in the last two weeks. Uh, again, 11 runs per game. They scored 11 for the whole weekend. So they're now four games back of Miami for the division. But still have a top 10 RPI. They're still set as of now where they can uh, they can host a regional and then have a deep enough roster to make a postseason run, but this Miami team, I mean, so Carson Carson Palmquist, you heard me and 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 Dre's talk about they need to let him close. Moving him to the starting rotation has worked out. I still think you should let the man close, but uh, six innings, no earned runs allowed, uh, and really Miami has two starting pitchers that they 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 trust: Carson Ligon, the right-hander. Uh, he's their their number two guy. They feel good about him. He only made it through five against Virginia. Gave up four runs, which was the most he's given up all year uh, in a game. So they feel really good about about both of those guys. Closer Andrew Walters, uh, 10 saves on the season, hasn't allowed an earned run. Uh, they feel good about those three. And so when you have a big three in a pitching staff like that, 
you know that any series you have a chance to win. So that's where Miami is. Um, they're set up well. Like I said, they're leading the ACC right now. Um, so they look good. Auburn versus Vanderbilt. Auburn hosts Vandy. Vandy's coming off of, I want to say, they had lost um, They lost their previous two series. That's right. And they go out there and lose two out of three to Auburn. Now, the one they won, they won in explosive fashion. They go uh, on game two and get, score like 15 runs. But Friday, 5-1, to one, they lose, only get two hits against Auburn starter Hayden Mullins. They get six walks, but only two hits against Hayden Mullins. And then the two guys out of the bullpen, Carson Skipper, Blake Burkhalter, both those guys are on the College Baseball Writers Association Stopper of the Year list. Uh, both those guys, like I said, two-hitter. And then Joseph Gonzalez on Sunday, the sinker baller from Puerto Rico. Uh, he goes out there, complete game, uh, two runs. Eight hits, two runs. Um, no walks. And so it's something where Auburn's more of an offensive team. They've got Sonny Dechara, 452, 595, 946 is his slash line. He leads, I believe he leads all of uh, college baseball in batting average, on base, and slugging. It's nuts. 11 home runs. But um, they don't have to rely on just him. He hit two home runs this week, and he had six RBIs. But they had a couple other guys give him big home runs as well. Obviously, the pitching staff held up as well as it did. They're averaging almost eight runs a game. Um, so, I mean, they're right. They're a game behind Arkansas, uh, and there's a big mass there behind Arkansas as far as Auburn, Texas A&M, Alabama's there. Alabama, speaking of Alabama, went and went to Old Miss and swept Old Miss in Swayze Field. So, uh, first time they've swept Old Miss in almost a decade. But they're now they've won it their last nine. Now they're a game back. Um, a game back of Arkansas as well. And the the way that they did it was impressive. So Friday and Saturday combined, they held Old Miss to eight hits and seven runs. And then on Saturday, they go out there, bring out the bats, they score 12 runs, they win 12 to 10 in 10 innings. And so just really big there. Uh, and this is a team, if you remember, they're, they're missing Connor Prelip. Uh, he's out with TJ. And then they had two starters and a closer drafted last year. But despite that, um, Garrett McMillan goes on Friday, uh, one earned run, three hits, three walks at six quality starts for McMillan in eight games this season. Grayson hit the left-hander, gives him a quality start on Sunday. And so it's something where all of a sudden now Alabama has pitching depth. The offense isn't quite where they want it, but the pitching depth's there. So that Auburn-Alabama matchup in a few weeks is going to be huge. Uh, the, you know, the iron bowl of baseball there. And then our Around the uh, around some of the different conferences, the ACC, Louisville. We talked Louisville early this season about how Louisville didn't necessarily have the offense. They lost a lot of pieces. Well, wild weekend against UNC, but they win extra innings both Saturday and Sunday. Sunday's game, really weird. Never seen this before. Sunday's game was interrupted by a bomb threat. They cleared the stadium, spent more than two hours to search it once it was all clear. This is like the sixth inning. Uh, UNC's up 5-1. to one. The game resumes. No fans are there. They don't allow any fans back in the stadium after the bomb threat's over. Louisville go, goes on, ends up winning 6-5 to five in 14 innings. Uh, now that they've done that, they get to go to Florida State to one of the best pitching rotations in, in college baseball. So congratulations on, um, on 
surviving you know that gauntlet there at UNC. Now you get to go to Florida State. Um, but that's something that's, that's going to be interesting to watch because Miami, Virginia, obviously is going to have one side of that. You're looking at um, you know Florida State and some other teams trying to figure out the other the other division there. Um, Oklahoma State and Oklahoma bedlam. Um, so Oklahoma State wins this. Really interesting, actually. The first two games both were eight to seven. One each team won one. Oklahoma State wins Sunday nine to four. And the big thing here now is Oklahoma State um, is like. Keep, keeps pace with Texas Tech at the top of the Big 12. Um, and so they didn't have like great pitching over the weekend, but it was good enough. They need some more of that pitching because the second half is a, a difficult second half. They got we have West Virginia as well. Uh, I'm sorry, West Virginia coming up this weekend as well as some other of these, these good teams, the better half of the Big 12 schedule coming up. Whereas the flip side of that, Texas. Texas beat TCU. Um, big for them, they needed to get that. Two hits shutout on Friday, 12 strikeouts. Um, they lose 7-5 to five on Saturday. They come back win 7-3 to three on Sunday. Only the second time they've played at home since February, which is weird for a Texas team. I guess it's they hosted a bunch of games early in the season, so they then had to go on the road a bunch. So they get a bunch of home games now, and they get to play Baylor, Kansas, and Kansas State, which combined are 4-20 and 20 in the Big 12. So Texas... Struggled early. They played the hard part of their schedule early. They kept pace as well as they could. Now they get a chance to get some of that ground back because they played some bad teams. Uh, Pac-12. Pac-12 race got really messed up. Um, Arizona was hosting last place Washington State. Washington State comes in, wins game one 11-5, wins game two 6-5. They've won the series. Arizona ends up winning the finale 5-2. So they're technically still in first place in the conference, but they're tied with Oregon State and UCLA. Um, And then, I'm sorry, they're tied with Oregon State. And then UCLA, Stanford, and Oregon are all within like a game and a half. And because they lost to Arizona State on Tuesday, their RPI has fallen down to like 33. So they really need to win out a majority of their schedule if they want to host regionals. And now they've lost three series at home, which they haven't done since like 2015. So it's something where... A lot of concern there. Um, I've seen some some projections that don't even have them in the eight for Omaha now after this last week that they had. So a lot of games they have to do there. And in just a minute, I do want to talk about some of the exciting upcoming matchups that you're going to be able to watch this season. I'm sorry, this weekend. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. So you get all the latest sports development news league reviews, things like that. Info on the NBA playoffs. They're having some sort of play-in tournament. I don't quite know how that works. I'm not a basketball guy, but if you are, go to Bet Online. Uh, obviously, the MLB stuff is all of. You can get home run um, leader odds. You can get uh, player of the year odds. You can get rookie of the year odds. Uh, the futures are still there, and they're usually due for an update sometime soon based on the first weekend of action. So, um, Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action because Bet Online is where the game starts. So four big series that I'm kind of watching this weekend. Two in the SEC, an ACC, and a Pac-12. So the Pac-12 is you've got Stanford versus UCLA. Two, uh, these are all ranked matchups. That's why, that's why I talk about them. We're not talking about unranked stuff here. Uh, Stanford versus UCLA. So I had, we just talked about this, but the top of the conference there in the Pac-12 is really tight. And so um, 
this is going to be a good series, especially if you're a fan of pitching. So uh, UCLA is first in the Pac-12 in Team ERA, in team ERA with a 2.73. Stanford is second in the Pac-12 in Team ERA in 3.88. So these teams in the conference are within like one or two, get one, one and a half games of each other. Uh, going to be a great uh, series at UCLA, um, especially if you're a fan of pitching. ACC, Florida State play, uh, hosting Louisville. So Florida State, we've talked about how great that pitching rotation is. The rest of the team hasn't quite caught up to them as far as run support goes and defense goes. So the Seminoles are, they they lost the last two series. They lost to Notre Dame. They lost to Georgia Tech. Notre Dame one's kind of tough to explain. Georgia Tech, I get it. That offense is really good. Uh, so this weekend, they get to host Louisville, who's 9-3, first place in the Atlantic. Uh, and as we heard from the first segment, the offense has been clicking. So, And they held Virginia's potent offense to just about nothing. So um, they really need to, like Florida State has to lock in and they've got to find the offense. They've got to be able to score some runs. They got to, Torral's got to put some balls on that short portion right. They've, they've got to score if they plan to beat Louisville. And then the two games in the West, or the two series in the West, LSU at Arkansas. So Arkansas, 8-4 uh, and four in the conference. L- LSU 7-5 in the conference. So one game back, but LSU's losing some of the tiebreakers. They've lost the series to Auburn, so they don't have that tiebreaker. Um, Arkansas just lost its first series of the year, which was uh, Florida. LSU just swept Mississippi State and Starkville. And so this is something where this is going to have an impact on who gets to host a regional out of the West for the SEC. Um, and by that, I mean if Arkansas wins they're still on track to host a regional. If LSU wins this, I don't see LSU getting to the point of hosting a regional unless they go ahead and win the rest of their um, conference slate. The flip side of that is that Mississippi State squad that just got swept by LSU uh, is now hosting Auburn. Auburn, again, one game back of Arkansas in the West. They have the tiebreaker over both LSU and Texas A&M. They still have to play this Arkansas squad, I think, towards the end of the month. They still have to play Alabama, who they're tied with in the conference standings. So what Auburn can do um, at Mississippi State, that's going to be important because they have to keep pace with whatever Arkansas does versus LSU so that they're still in contention to host a regional. A lot of the projections now have them as a two-seed going somewhere like Charlottesville for Virginia to host or something like that. So Auburn needs to keep pace with Mississippi State or needs to beat Mississippi State to keep pace with Arkansas in the West. In just a second, I do want to talk about some of the breakout college eligible, I'm sorry, draft eligible pitchers in college this year because we've talked so much about this college pitching class is down from where it used to be. But first, today's Episodes brought to you by our friends at Rock Auto. There are so many makes and models of cars. It is impossible for the local chain auto parts store to have all the parts that you need. You're going to go in there. They're going to ask you all the questions about, you know, is it an LX or an EX? Is it a sport model? You know, do you have this or that or the other on it? Just for them to go back in the back after they check the computer and tell you, oh, we don't have the part. We'll mail it to you. Skip all that. Just stay at home and use Rock Auto. It's a family business. They've been serving DIYers for over 20 years with reliably low prices. And it's great. The way that it works, you go in and you put in the info for your car. Year, make, model, whatever. And then whatever you're looking, like it just shows you everything they have. Like, hey, you know, taillights. Okay, cool. Like, here, here's, you know, bulbs. Here's the taillights. Here's the, the little map light in the center console. Here's all of that. Just boom, done. 
You got it. Uh, you need motor oil. Great. All right. Here's the here's the standard we re- recommend. Here's the synthetic we recommend. Here's all the different things. I had to buy a touch-up paint for the wife's car. And I put her stuff in. And it shows the options for the, the, like the different colors, the different colors that year had for paint. And it's like, go find this sticker on the car. Right here, this part of the sticker is the code for you to know what color the paint that you need, which of these packages you need. So I just go and I pull that and boom, there's the paint done. So if you need parts for your car, if you need anything, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. So talking about some of these breakout pitchers this year, like like we've said all year, it is a light light class when it comes to college pitching because you've had so you have so many young guys, you've had so many guys who have gotten hurt or Carson Wilson Hunt gotten suspended for illicit drugs. It was performance enhancing. It wasn't like cocaine or something. Anyway, uh, so I'm going to talk about some of these draft eligible guys that are popping up on lists that have that have. Um, pop this year. Some of them we've talked about in the show before, some we have not. Uh, first one, Jake Bennett, the lefty from Oklahoma, draft eligible sophomore, and he's a guy who wasn't on a lot of boards. 55 innings last year, had a 6-3-4 ERA. Uh, 43, inning, uh, 43 innings this year, um, 209 ERA. And one of the big differences, obviously a lot of that stuff's different, but one of the big differences when you look at the peripherals on this, last year he gave up seven home runs. This year, he's, you know, he's Four-fifths of the way to his innings total from last year only has one home run. And so he's the Friday night guy. 46 to 8 strikeout to walk ratio, 205 opponent batting average. And and a guy that is definitely climbing the draft boards because he seemed to put it together in that third year in college, second year in competition. Jonathan Cannon, the right-hander from Georgia. A guy we absolutely have talked about. Came in college with high expectations. You saw, obviously, he lost 2020. Uh, 2021 started off slowly for him. He had mono. It's like the thing everybody gets in college. Um, and so it didn't quite work out. But this year, he's 47 and a third innings, 171 ERA, 171 batting average for opponents. I don't know how often that happens. It's weird. 46 strikeouts. Been an absolute workhorse. Only thrown three walks. Very, very efficient, very accurate, has good control can go deep into games. And so uh, part of the reason Georgia's as competitive they are in the SEC East is because Cannon's gone out there and done some of this stuff. Cooper Herpe. We've talked about Cooper Herpe. Talked about him last week, the Oregon State lefty. So 421 ERA last year, threw almost 80 innings. But this year, he's been the glue guy. They've had guys get hurt. They've had like pitchers miss some time. He's been the constant. 41 and two-thirds innings, 194 ERA, 68 to 10 strikeout to walk ratio. Opponents got a bat, have bad average of 180 against him. If you remember, we talked about him last week because against Stanford, he struck out 17 dudes. Like that's just what he's been doing this season. Cooper Herpe has turned a corner from last year to this year. Uh, absolutely is a stud. And talking about that Stanford game last week, Quinn Matthews, the lefty from Stanford, um, he had a 608 ERA last year. He threw a lot of innings. Stanford was really shallow last year. Uh, this year, 43 and a third innings, 270 ERA, 61 to 18 strikeout to walks. A little bit more walks than some of the other guys, but 201 batting average. And he's a guy where 
he's been he was starting just about all season. They've moved the usage. They need more of him than just to start. So last weekend against Oregon State, that series we talked about on, on the show last week, he closes out Friday night, takes Saturday off, comes in relief on Sunday, gives him seven innings of relief. Friday was, in essence, a bullpen for him. Uh, just an absolute workhorse. They're using him, and he's been effective. He's been good at it. We talked about Louisville earlier in the show. Jared Poland, the righty. Um, he hasn't thrown a lot in college. The first three years he was at Louisville, 41 in the third innings. Um, he had a he threw 19 innings his freshman year in 2019, had a 4.12 ERA, but he's starting this year. So 2022, 32 innings, 2.53 ERA, 35 strikeouts, nine walks, and so he's been a good constant presence in the rotation. And they've really given him the run support as well. And so he, you know, it, it, it's easier to pitch with a lead. But either way, Jared Poland has made it work. And then the last guy, Connor Stain, the righty from Central Florida, came out of nowhere. Okay, was was at Maryland, had a 6-5 ERA last year, transferred in. And it's almost impossible to be better than he's been this season. 30 and two-thirds innings, eight hits, two runs, both unearned. 12 walks, 38 strikeouts, literally a 0 0 0 ERA because it's 200 runs, they don't count. 0.082 batting average against. So, Connor Stain making it happen for the Knights of UCF and a guy who's going to be looked at by MLB teams when the draft comes around. Obviously, going to take a little more to get him because he has eligibility, he can go back, but definitely a guy who's put a lot of stuff together and has, and has made it look good. This week, we got some great shows. I, fi- I just finished just a little while ago talking to Bryce Patterick of the of Locked On Texas Rangers all about that farm system. Great episode coming tomorrow. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Do us a favor and like and subscribe. It really does help the show a ton. Um, but stay tuned all week for this great content. And until then, this has been Locked On MLB Podcast. <laughs>